Hey folks, let's spend some time with friends up north. Pat Kreitlow of Up North News is on Lake Wissota. Sarah Yacoub with the Monaco Brewing Company Super Pack is on the Mississippi River. And up on Lake Monaco is Kirk Bangstead of the Monaco Brewing Company. Wherever you are, welcome. You're up north. Won't you let me die? Hello and welcome to the Up North Podcast. I'm Kirk Bangstead and... You know, I'm a little bummed that the football season is over. I, I can see it in your eyes, Kirk. Um, I'm actually bummed that the Olympics are over because it brings out my inner cheerleader and it's so much fun to root for the USA. And I'm Pat Kreitlow and I'd love to tell you guys to cheer up because baseball will be here soon. But that would be a big fat lie. So I've decided to to cheat tonight instead of my usual old fashioned. And I don't have any of Kirk's progressive beer. So the summer shandy has made its first appearance from Lion Kugels. I normally wait until the first Brewers game when I sit on the couch, put on the TV, look for BA and Rock to call the game, crack open the first summer shandy. But I am so bummed that baseball is going to be delayed. We're just we're we're hitting hitting the summer shandy early this time around. <laughs> and it shouldn't have to be that way. The baseball owners and the players have a big pot of money, and the billionaire owners cannot figure out how to stop cheating the players and divide the pot properly, which takes me uh as as the uh, official transition expert here of the Up North podcast, my transition into Governor Evers and the state of the state address, where again, you have a surplus in the state and it should be an easy win-win to take care of. Uh, you might have caught that I was live tweeting it for Up North News uh, Tuesday night uh, about the state of the state. And again, we have a newly projected surplus in this state of around $3 billion. And anyone, anyone who has studied politics will tell you what normally happens next. Politicians from both sides of the aisle look for ways to put the surplus to work in ways that will make them and their supporters happy, and they they each give a little. Maybe Republicans allocate it to some tax cuts for corporations, something they're very experienced at. Maybe Democrats invest in schools and send some money back to families in the form of rebate checks. That's what Governor Evers talked about in, in his speech. Do a little bit of both. Everybody's happy. But as you guys know, this is a Republican legislature that has never looked for a win-win with Evers, undermining him even before he took office by taking away some of his powers. And they still haven't confirmed some of his nominees. Folks, this is the fourth year of his term, and they're still sitting on some nominees. After the speech, Assembly Speaker Robin Voss said he would not take up the Evers proposal for the surplus. Uh, they're going to sit on it. They're hoping a Republican uh, wins, takes over as governor, and then you watch that surplus go up in a puff of smoke to tax cuts mainly geared toward the uh, the very wealthy. So I think Evers said it best in his speech when he said, quote, don't you guys sit here in a white marble building with state coffers that are full and tell Wisconsinites who are working hard every day, we can't afford to do more. That's baloney. And, and if you can get Governor Evers to swear, guys, you know. <laughs> You know, baloney's <laughs> as, as tough as it gets. So, so Pat, like, like the problem I have with all this is like what I like. Every Wisconsinite knows that every Wisconsinite wants a surplus to go to something that helps the public's the public sphere. That's that's just that's just obvious. But 
the problem I have is what Evers said in the state of the state address is probably not going to get to many, many, many Wisconsinites. And they're going to somehow believe that he's being nefarious and Robin Voss is the true, like, like, like knight in shining armor in, uh, in, you know, in all of this. So well, and, how and do we fix the, that? The goal all the way through, but thank goodness there are programs like this one where, where, you know, Sarah and you are all over this to make sure that people understand what is actually happening. For example, in Oshkosh. And that's one of our big topics this week. A thousand new jobs for Oshkosh Corporation not coming to Oshkosh. And Ron Johnson is fine with that. We're going to talk to two leaders of the local workforce about the knife that their senator has put in their backs. That's coming up next. You're up north. They're closing down textile mill across the railroad tracks. Woman says these jobs are going. And then coming back to your hometown, to your hometown, to your hometown, to your hometown. Welcome back to the Up North podcast. Pretty much everyone knows Bruce Springsteen's instant classic from 1985. Well, I was one, but most of you all do. My hometown and how sad it is to see jobs leave a community. Well, in the case of our next segment, the loss is about jobs that should be coming here, but might not, especially since Senator Ron Johnson has said several times now that he will not fight to attract these new jobs. And ironically, these jobs would be coming to his hometown, Oshkosh, home of specialty vehicle maker Oshkosh Corporation, formerly Oshkosh Truck. One of its divisions, Oshkosh Defense, won a huge government contract last year to build 165,000 vehicles for the U.S. Postal Service. But then the company crushed everyone's happiness a couple of months later, saying they'll probably put the estimated 1,000 new jobs in South Carolina probably with non-union workers rather than use the experienced union workforce here at home. Well, Senator Tammy Baldwin and the uh, the union workforce in Oshkosh and the community, they're all trying to get the company to change its plans. Senator Ron Johnson recently said he would not ask the company to reconsider, saying, quote, it's not like Wisconsin doesn't already have enough jobs. So joining us now and this is such a wonderful thing that these guys are are, are talking to us today because they got the real story they're joining us now are bob link the president of local 578 of the united auto uh, auto workers union and tim jacobson their chief steward uh from oshkosh corporation guys uh thank you so much for joining us thank you thanks for having us Great. So we're going to get into all this stuff, but I'm going to ask you this first question here and we'll, we'll, we'll dive deep. So we'll get to Ron Johnson later, but let's back up and have you tell us a bit more about the workforce already in Oshkosh and whether you think you have the ability to add those new jobs and get the work done here at home. I believe we do have the space and the workforce here. Uh, what we're doing is a decade ago, so 10 years ago, we were 3,100 members uh, in the UAW 578. Today, we have 1,600. So we're down 50% right now. So to add those 1,000 jobs today uh, would not even put us back where we were 10 years ago. Why do you think, uh, I mean, so, so 
we could, so why do you think that they're saying that there's not enough space or not enough, uh, you know, capacity to do, to do, to build these, to build these trucks here, uh, in Oshkosh? Um, <clears throat> I don't know why they're saying that. Um, as Bob said, about 10 years ago, we, had, uh, we had a bigger workforce about 10 years ago, we had about 35 trucks coming off of our line, um, at our South plant, which is our largest facility. Uh, today we're running about five or six trucks, uh, off that line with one shift. Um, the, the plant only runs for one, uh, runs on one shift. So we have plenty of capacity to add a second and third shift as well as to uh, produce more vehicles down those lines. Um, the only plant that probably doesn't have capacity would be our, our Harrison Street facility, which is the um, currently houses our JLTV, our Joint Light Tactical Vehicle or Humvee replacement um, contract. But otherwise uh, we should have plenty of space and capacity to uh, build that vehicle. Help our viewers understand what it would mean for Oshkosh, for the workforce, for the economy to have these jobs right here in Wisconsin. Sure. Part of my job is uh, to do community action stuff uh, for the union. Um, it would mean a, a lot of things. Uh, you know, a good paying union job. We can we can go out and support local businesses. We you know we can purchase homes uh, in the area in the within the city. Um, we have, we have employees that come from 14 different counties uh, to Oshkosh every day. Uh, they commute every day to work from as far north as Marinette County, um, as far south as uh, uh, my friend Jim in, in Sussex in Waukesha County. Um, so um, we have people that come from Sheboygan County. So uh, just the, the, that good paying union job, you know, that money can get spent uh, in those communities. Uh, and I want to say about the capacity issue, um, this is a serious topic, so I don't want to make the joke, but we're going to acknowledge that we've all made the joke to ourselves, like about capacity. Well, hell, there's plenty of building space at what was supposed to be Foxconn, you know, so it's it's not like we're, we're lacking for, you know, space here in Wisconsin. We're not lacking for a workforce, but it was already going to be an uphill climb to to get the company to consider putting the jobs in Wisconsin. Then along comes Senator Johnson and Oshkosh resident saying essentially he doesn't care if the jobs don't come to Wisconsin. How did that go over when you heard that comment uh, uh, just about two weeks ago? And, and what do you think that does to his standing with workers all across the state? When that came out, uh, Bob and I were in Washington, D.C. Um, we were going to meet with the Postal Board. Um, but when that came out, you know, it's like, are you, are you serious? Um, that was kind of an abs absurd comment that we don't need jobs here, or we have plenty of jobs. Wisconsin doesn't need any more jobs. Um, we do need, we do need the work. Some of our plants aren't working uh, 40 hours during the week. Um, so it, it, like I said before, it would just mean a lot for the people and the community. All right. When Ron came out, oh, excuse me. When Ron came out and stated that again, as Tim said, you know, I can't believe any senator of their own hometown or the state they're representing that we don't need any more jobs. That uh, it didn't go over well with our workforce, and uh, what I'm hearing and seeing from all over, it didn't go over very well. Period. Like I, I I'm gonna, I gotta ask a more, I'm gonna ask a, a more detailed question, but just 
from my my heart and my gut responding to what you just said like who in their right mind would ever say <laughs> that we got enough jobs and we don't need more and and the average so by the way you know both weird uh, pat and i both ran for congress sarah ran for assembly uh you know up north and 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 pat and we all know that the average income in the seventh district and i know you guys aren't you're in you know you know you're in the eighth or something like that but it's not so much different the average income is like thirty thousand dollars a year up where we are and and you're saying and somebody and a u.s senator from wisconsin where we're all middle class in wisconsin there's not a ton of rich people in wisconsin there we're gonna actually say that a good job at at, at a, a de defense contractor you know which obviously is a it's a better job you can get in most places up north is is not is not you know we, we got enough jobs it just it kills my soul to hear that kind of thing but that was just my comment let me ask a question here so so let's let's get like a union versus non-union here because chances are these jobs are going to go to some non-union folks and is it too simplistic to say this is only about union jobs that johnson and republicans are so against like good training good pay and job security that he turned down a thousand jobs here does he just want to stick it to the unions because of a political you know because obviously you know unions are more likely to vote democrat than they are to vote republican what do you think i would think they're against the middle that uh statement that was made is against the middle class people uh it is against the union uh where they are moving to and uh, to make it clear we have nothing uh about South Carolina. Everybody deserves a good job, good paying job. Uh, it's our union jobs here. I mean, I know our postal workers uh, would want union made vehicles. That uh, would be my my sense that uh, that's what they would want. But for, you know, they're going to the lowest paid per capita state and unionized state is South Carolina. So I think that against nothing against South Carolina, but what Oshkosh is doing speaks for itself. And uh, it's going against the union, the union wage and the middle class people. Well, and you have to imagine that the contract was awarded based on Oshkosh's track record for quality union made products. So, you know, do we think that the company was promising to do its best, but now is going to give taxpayers a product that, maybe isn't up to that union standard? Is there any recourse that we in the public or the government um, or anyone can, can do at this point to sort of turn this around? Well, we've been out to Washington, Tim and I, a couple of times talking to the Board of Governors and you know, contracts, I've been told they are made to be changed. So I don't believe this is over. I think Oshkosh should do the right thing, bring the work home. Uh, they have stated it's not coming here. Uh, but I, our fight's not over. Uh, you know, I have been told out in Washington that things can change so that, you know, we're just trying to do the right thing, uh, bring the work here where it was uh, belong. I believe Oshkosh would awarded that contract on the backs of our people, our workforce. It's the on-time delivery, the quality work that we do here. Uh, 84 years UAW today is uh, the UAW's birthday here at, in Oshkosh. Uh, 105 years in business, 84 of them today, UAW. And uh, so it's a slap in our face. 
uh, we built their reputation. Uh, we did things to get them where they are today. And uh, they need to step up for us now. Let's talk about that record because, again, for for folks like me over in the western part of the state, we we don't we're not exposed to what uh, Oshkosh Corporation does uh, on a daily basis. And in, in looking at what you do, again, I feel like more people should be hearing uh, this is not some one off measure, uh, you know, a, a good government contract that happened to come along. Uh, you've touched on it a little bit more, but I want you to take a second to to talk about that history. What are what are the kinds of vehicles that have been made, you know, for the men and women who are serving our country, you know, made in Oshkosh over the years? So first off, there's a difference between Oshkosh Corporation mm-hmm. and Oshkosh Defense. Mm-hmm. Oshkosh Corporation is our parent company. Um, this contract was awarded to Oshkosh Defense. We work for Oshkosh Defense and we represent the employees at Oshkosh Defense. Um, Over the years, I was hired um, in 2009 under the MATV contract. That is a mine-resistant, ambush-protected, all-terrain vehicle. Um, It was a a big hit with the military when they were in Afghanistan. Um, We make Right now, the JLTV, which is a joint light tactical vehicle, uh, it's also the Humvee replacement. Um, so we do have a good track record. We've, uh, we've had a good track record with our heavy uh, platform, which is our Hemet and our Hets and our PLS uh, vehicles. We also make uh, cement mixers. Um, you might see those on the roads. And then... Um, if you're at the airport and you see the uh, big yellow machines clearing the runways, we make those snow blowers as well. Um, so we, we do have a, a very good track record with uh, the military um, and with the municipalities. Um, Oshkosh Corporation also owns Pierce in Appleton. Um, they make the fire fire trucks, fire apparatuses uh, around the country. But uh, we're, we're defense and uh, we, we, you know, we do the, heavy military stuff. Mm-hmm. So this is a question for both Tim and Bob, you know, Tim, we talked earlier when I was, you know, talking about getting you on the show and you had, you know, this story about how like, you know, Oshkosh defense was awarded the contract based on the, on the reputation you guys had. And it just didn't make sense that the Oshkosh corporation was shipping it down. I want to give you guys time. We got about three minutes left. Like, what do you want to tell the public? What is the most important thing that you want to let people of Wisconsin know about why this, this just doesn't sit right with you guys. Um, just that for, for years, we were told that it had nothing to do with Oshkosh defense, this contract, um, that it was all Oshkosh corporation. Um, we found out through the newspaper that it was awarded to Oshkosh defense. Um, and when it was awarded to Oshkosh defense last year and we found out in February in the newspaper, that's when we put up the fight. Um, that's when we decided uh, we have to, we, we need this work here. Um, I also want to say uh, anyone that, that supports what we're doing and supports jobs here in Wisconsin, we have a rally on the 26th of February. It's going to be in Oshkosh outside the global headquarters um, uh, at 1917 four-wheel drive in Oshkosh from noon to two. We have some good speakers lined up for our event and we hope everybody can come out and uh, join us for, um, for that event. So Tim, you just said it, you just said this like on our radio show and people aren't going to be writing that down. How can they, 
how can they look where do they look it up to find where this is and when it is how can they follow up and figure this out if if they're on facebook they can find us on facebook at uaw 578 um or you can go to uaw 578.org great and hopefully in the paper too right Uh, i think we are going to put an ad in the paper yes Uh, and tammy baldwin has been very vocal and supportive. Uh, tell us your experience with having a senator who's actually supporting workers and the Wisconsin economy. It's kind of a breath, a breath of fresh air uh, having her uh, not only support, uh, you know, what we're doing, but just like you said, support Wisconsin workers. Um, and, and she she gets it. She gets what it means to not only the city but to the state. Tammy Baldwin has had her back since day one, so very appreciative. Not without uh, a doubt. Huge, huge to get a turnout February 26th. It's not just yes. for UAW, it's for the public and everybody. Yep, that'll be a week from Saturday, folks, so uh, get the information for that. Bob Link, president of Local 578, Tim Jacobson, the chief steward. Thanks again for your time. Best of luck to you, and uh, we really appreciate your time uh, to fill us in. Thanks Thank for having you. us. All right. Our our pleasure, guys. Trust me. When we come back, more about Senator Johnson's outright hostility to adding jobs in Wisconsin. We'll be back. You're up north. Won't you let me die? Bozo, the world's most famous clown. Welcome back to the cabin. This is the Up North Podcast. I'm Pat Crightlow <laughs> along with Kirk Bankstead and Sarah Yacoub. Um, Yeah, you probably know who we're talking about next year. But first, I, I want to hearken back to somebody else. Um, remember Herb Cole and his original campaign slogan from 1988, nobody's senator but yours. Now we're going to talk about someone who seems to be nobody's senator, period. In fact, we just heard from members of the labor force in Oshkosh who have basically been stabbed in the back by none other than Senator Ron Johnson. Now we want to turn our attention to Ron John himself. Okay, so so this is my special, special happy place that we get to welcome my personal friend and the, you know, the basically the the, the reason that we're even on the air right now is uh, Mike Mike Crute, who is the foundation of the radio station we're based with, with, that's the Up North podcast. Uh, Crutey is his, is his nickname. He's a co-founder of Devil's Advocate Radio Show. A couple hours of progressive talk every afternoon on this station, 92.7. And, uh, and this dude, if anybody hasn't heard him before, uh, if you're listening on the radio, this radio station, of course you have, but on our podcast this weekend, you, maybe not. I, this guy has covered Ron Johnson from the progressive point of view more than probably anybody in the state of Wisconsin. So we're going to do, a, because because Rojo said such crazy things uh, in, throughout the course of his political career, but this whole thing about Wisconsin has enough jobs already, just it was the tip of the iceberg. So this whole segment is going to be about the craziest things that Ron Johnson's ever said. And and like Bozo the Clown, 
like there was like the grand prize game where you had to throw like a little ball like road like a little ball in like the basket and like the kid who won like won some cool stuff so we're gonna do a top 10 list in in the vein of the grand prize game with Bozo right, the clown well, with rojo the clown in here because you have been talking you've talked to ron johnson for years because you you weren't you know, a lot of progressive uh, outlets might not have wanted to talk to him, but he, he you guys have had dialogue for for years. Uh, so thanks for being here. How are you? Sure. And tell me about the uh, tell me about the evolution, <laughs> the evolution of Ron Johnson over the years uh, as you as you've dealt with him. Well, thank you for welcoming me to the multiple cabins here <laughs> and on the Up North podcast. <laughs> And yeah, I've invited Ron on our show, and it was never me, just for the record. It was my co-pilot and college roommate and lifelong friend, Dominic. And Dominic would uh, invite Ron, Ron on the show. And uh, we worked at Heartless Radio, and we had the progressive booth 10 feet away from where conservative radio was. So, you know, we'd see Scott Walker coming out of Icky Vicky McKenna's booth, or we'd see Ron Johnson coming out. And sooner or later, you start introducing yourself to the staff or whatever the case may be. You suck up during the commercial breaks. And uh, anyways, Ron agreed to come on the show. And this was way back a year before he was running for re-election in 16, when he was promising all of us he wasn't ever going to run for re-election again. Just two. Just two. <laughs> I promised you. I promised my wife she'd kill me. Well, I wish you'd hurry up and get to it. <laughs> we've had Ron on more than 25 times, exclusive interviews with Ron Johnson. We we had him the day after the impeachment when he voted to acquit uh, uh, Donald Trump. We've had Ron through trips to Moscow. We've had Ron. We've had Ron on the show. And most recently, and Kirk, you know this story, I went out and chased Ron Johnson in Madison, not more than two weeks ago, and it was the very next day after Ron said, and I'm sure it's on your top 10 list somewhere. It's, it is. It is. Steal the thunder, but Ron went on a TV station in lacrosse and effectively said, you know, parents need to plan for their own kids. And if they don't do so, why is that society's fault? And uh, I saw Ron the very next morning, and I'd like to think I was the very finest of journalists, asking him the very first time, Hey, Ron, what about the orphan kids? What exactly is society's responsibility if the parents don't want the kids or circumstance gets in the way? Well, Mike, 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 of course. We're compassionate, he claims. But within two minutes, he's telling us why paying for other people's kids or is going to bust the federal budget. And not more than two minutes later than that, he was bragging about the accomplishment of the unfunded Trump tax cuts to the tune of $1.5 trillion. And he's proud of that, but we can't afford other people's kids. No, no, we cannot. Uh, so it, it was one of the, the, the many things we, there, there's, there's just so much material to work with. And it basically it's from the Trump playbook that if you flood the zone with enough crazy and outlandish things, you're, you're going to forget some of those. Uh, so we're, we're all going to take turns um, over the next few minutes here, just sharing probably as close as we can get to a top 10 list. But again, it, it's tough to rank. Um, 
So we're, we're, we're going to, uh, you know, get Sarah into the mix here too, and start with, with number 10, because it, it is the most recent one, Sarah. So I'm sure it's the one that, you know, resonates the freshest with you of things we can't believe our Senator said. Wait, but let, let Evan play the drum roll first before the, before <laughs> oh, Sarah I'm reads sorry. number 10. Kirk's drum worked roll, so please. hard on special effects here. <laughs> All right. Um, Sarah, Evan. you have to say, you have to say number, number 10 and then pause for, for the drum roll. Okay. Please. Okay. Number 10. The drum roll there. Sure. Is everybody hearing the drum roll. Okay, great. <laughs> quote, it's not like we don't have enough jobs here in Wisconsin. Close quote. We just spent some time, you know, talking about that. And uh, Crudy, the, we talked to the UAW guys and they were, they were just like, can you believe this? Uh, again, this is not the first thing he said, but what, what were you thinking the first time you heard him say that? Um, you know, you, you asked me about the de-evolution of Ron Johnston, and he's never cared about workers. That hasn't been a big change for him. No, Ron's always been on the, the management, the ownership side of the table. And, you know, I've, I've been put in these weird positions. I've always, I used to think Ron Johnson was, let's call him country club cordial. And literally, the as much as any Republican I've ever met, the guy has advanced my career. He's, I mean, I went to the Trump inauguration on Ron Johnson's tickets. Ron Johnson entertained us in D.C., took us around the Senate office building and introduced us to the staff, did long-form interviews. So Ron has done some, let's call it country club cordial things, but he has certainly shifted. But Ron never gave a damn about the workers. Yeah, he's, he he has been consistent that way. Um, so yes, that one is 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 fine. Uh, but but then there's the ones that that uh, I don't know, Kirk. You Kirk, you're going to take number nine, bud. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Evan, give us a drum roll, please. All right. So number nine is this. This is this is in quotes with 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 Senator Ron Johnson. You know. There's a reason Greenland was called Greenland. It was actually green at one point in time. It's a whole lot whiter now. So we've experienced climate change throughout geologic time. Okay. Fruity, <laughs> what well, do you think about Ron, that, my friend? Ryan's always taking the attitude, I'm not a climate change denier. I'm just not a climate change alarmist. But he's certainly not a student of history either. I saw the guy at a press conference uh, where he literally said, you know, we need less instructors in college and more Ken Burns films. Oh, so, that's right. Know, See, the source. I knew we were going to forget some I doozies. Was there for, I lived all of these events up close and personal. <laughs> See, that's why we've got you here for subtext. We, you know, we, that was, we gave you nine. Now you just gave us a great nine a, which is fantastic. Uh, number eight, of course, is, is something that should be very serious. Number eight is pandemic related. Why do we assume the body's natural immune system? Isn't the marvel that it is. Why do you think that we can create something better than God in terms of combating disease, which begs the question, why do any of us wear glasses? Because <laughs> apparently we are perfect vehicles already. Uh, why, why have we had polio vaccine? Did the polio vaccine, do we need that? Apparently we not. Apparently not. We, we, do you, we are, do you remember we are. the related quote, I believe at the same time frame, 
Ron Johnson literally said, try all the drugs. <laughs> yes, that's just it. You know, so again, having it both ways is just on brand. Uh, Kirk, you threw in number seven and we don't have time to get this deep into European, yeah. uh, you know, neo-fascist history, but uh, go ahead. Okay. So basically Hungary is kind of like pretty authoritarian and, and uh, you got, uh, and, and so they they restrict media. They make sure that, you know, that, you know, they're, they're, they, they kind of, you know, it's, short, it's short not a version, good situation. They are what Trump would like America to be. Yeah. You know. So basically Ron Johnson, this is his quote. I recognize the liberal left doesn't like Hungary, but there are so many positive things about what they're doing in that country. Which, which is right on par with, but Mussolini made sure the trains ran on time. <laughs> it's just look <laughs> let's let's keep our eye on the big picture here um one of Man, my let's keep going let's keep going we got seven well, well go for it crudy well i don't mean to insert myself but i had ron johnson on and i asked ron johnson early in 2017 the trump presidency hey ron you got the gavel for the hisgat committee you have subpoena power i said what about the stormy daniels ron if this was obama You'd be screaming, stormy, stormy, stormy from the rooftop. And his answer was the literal Sergeant Schultz, I know nothing. <laughs> I see nothing. It's it's so that's true. My, that's my German fascist World War II reference. Oh, sure, sure. But, but, but his apparent either coziness or something, uh, you know, with, with Russian talking points, it is well known. I mean, he has acknowledged that he got an FBI briefing warning him that he was the target of Russian disinformation. Uh, Johnson said he didn't take the warning seriously. He thought the FBI briefing was completely useless and, and unnecessary. So um, look, his fixation on Hunter Biden and Ukraine is well known of, of, you know, amplifying points that have long been, you know, disproven, but uh, like a dog with a bone, he's, he's going to hang on to that. Sarah, the same way with number five, he hangs on to some more of, of the quackery about the pandemic. Yeah. So number five, drum roll, please. Our state senator, or excuse me, U.S. Senator had the distinct honor of being suspended from YouTube because he is so off the rails with his support of using hydroxychloroquine against a virus, the same drug Trump enthusiastically endorsed and used as a preventive treatment for coronavirus last year. And closely related to that, Kirk, is number four. Okay. Drum roll, please. Number four. This is a huge one. This is this is the funniest one, but we got to save the more nefarious ones for, for earlier. So Ron Johnson said that mouthwash can kill COVID-19 and the manufacturer of Listerine as well as every medical expert in the field said there's no evidence at all to prove that. Rudy, chime in on that one. I think we got enough time. Well, you know, Ron always does have fresh breath. <laughs> we have maybe that's why his wife has not killed him yeah maybe, maybe yeah maybe he's discovered the the key to you know happy happy marriage uh we've hit on number three it is not society's responsibility to take care of other people's children uh, again you know you, you have to pick up your jaw and and go through through those um number number two uh kirk that one seems to be especially 
galling given the way that he has talked about the the January 6th insurrection. All right. All right. Evan, give us a good drum roll for number two and number one. So I'll, I'll give you give you some time. This is wild. Okay. Ron, out of Ron Johnson's own mouth, even though those thousands of people that were marching to the Capitol were trying to pressure people like me to vote they wait, the way they wanted me to vote, I knew those people were people that loved this country, that truly respect law enforcement and would do anything and would never do anything to break the law. So I wasn't concerned. Crudy, Speaking you about the January sixth insurrection, you you've probably talked to him about this, about his his feeling of how he didn't feel unsafe around the insurrectionists compared to how he would have felt if it was say a Black Lives Matter protest. Well, actually, I have not spoken to Ron, and there had been an absence in our relationship uh, from September before the election into September of twenty twenty until very recently when I saw him in the hallway. Uh, I had heard Ron's comments, of course, the extension was, you know, if there were Black Lives Matters protesters coming to burn it down, well, you know, back off, Ron. But Ron looked at me, recognized me, sort of got a quirky look on his face, walked over, shook my hand and said, oh, I thought you were a media tracker from the other side. And my only response, at least internally, was, well, I am rooting against you, Senator. (laughs) Who <laughs> funny. And which brings us to number one. Drum roll, please. <laughs> Senator Ron Johnson would like to see the Wisconsin Election Commission abolished. He thinks and actually said that the GOP state lawmakers should unilaterally assert control of federal elections in Wisconsin. So let's unpack that one, guys. Well, I mean, what, what's to unpack in, in 30 seconds here? Crudy, I'll, let's just wrap it up this way. As, as you're covering Senator Johnson's quest for a third term, you have a feeling like defending democracy is going to be a full-time job for your show? Oh, absolutely. I lead there every day. If Merrick Garland would do his job, we would we would declare it Merrick Garland Day all across America. Oh, with no no doubt there. So, folks, if you are not a regular listener of Devil's Advocates Radio, go to devilradio927.com. You can listen live on the website or call up our past shows, download the app, and take uh, his fine program and ours with you when you are on the road. We're going to our final break. We'll take uh, we'll wrap up the show in just a moment. Thanks, Cree. Sometime when we don't have as much politics to talk about, we're going to do just a karaoke show with Kirk singing for us for the hour. Before we go, <laughs> let me put in a plug for my actual day job, which is a separate entity from this lovely program that Kirk has organized for your listening pleasure. I have a team of reporters working hard every day over at Up North News, our statewide news site for headlines and stories about the big issues of the day. 
and features about the state we love to call home, uh, like the guy who goes surfing in Lake Michigan near Sheboygan in the wintertime, or a beginner's guide to the Ice Age National Scenic Trail. So you can just search for Up North News WI on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or our website, upnorthnewswi.com. Kirk. All right. So we just led this last segment with a song that I forgot that I love so much by Mariah Carey uh, called Hero, because in contrast to Senator U.S. Senator Ron Johnson's absolutely crazy antics, as well as his disdain for seemingly everyone who makes less than something like a million dollars a year in Wisconsin, we've got another U.S. Senator called Tammy Baldwin. And this it can't these guys these two people could not be more polar opposites than they are this is a woman who who is fighting for the middle class she's extremely well educated um you know she's she's you know she's actually thinking about problems that exist in wisconsin and she introduces bills that are 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 are, are technical but are really what Wisconsinites needs, Wisconsinites needs. She's an actual lawmaker. And then on the other side of the coin, we have this guy who doesn't seemingly read much at all. Uh, he doesn't seem to believe in science. He doesn't seem to care about anybody but himself or other million dollar donors. And so the question I have for you, Sarah, you can start out, is how can Wisconsin be a state that elects a woman called Tammy Baldwin and a man called Ron Johnson, and we can, we, we're the same state that's elected both of them. Well, that would uh, be a series of shows onto itself. But, you know, just looking at Ron Johnson and what he brings to the table, you know, I too went through an angsty Ian Rand phase until I realized that she was a meth addict, you know, lunatic narcissist. And so quickly came out of that. He never did. So his whole thing is, the world is inherently selfish and be unapologetically selfish and whoever you screw over for your own self-benefit power to you. And he has marketed that to this sense of rugged individualism um, as some sort of romantic idea, which completely flies in the face of Wisconsin's communal uh, societally centered uh, history, very rich history of caring about one another. Our, we're very deeply rooted in our faith. And, you know, we've got this guy who's like the let's put soda in the drinking fountains. It's cool to be mean. And no, it's not cool to be mean. Pat, can you shine some light on this? I, I think, you know, look, we're a state that uh, long before we had uh, Tammy Baldwin and Ron Johnson, uh, we had Joseph McCarthy. And yet we also had Bill Proxmire. The state that gave us Herb Cole also gave us Scott Walker. Uh, we've talked about this on this program several times, the, the nature of this state. And yes, right now, there is an extreme rural-urban divide, but we remain a closely divided state, but even more geographically now, not just politically. What that means is we still have, uh, unlike a lot of other places, we still have a lot of so-called swing voters, people that are civic-minded, they want to vote, um, but they also are, you know, they, they they heard something in Donald Trump and thought, yeah, this guy seems different. He seems like he'll, you know, he'll fight for me. And yet two years later or, you know, two years earlier with, with you know, with Tammy Baldwin, it would be, well, I really like her. I, I think she cares about me. Uh, 
So we've got, we've got to talk about our values rather than talk about fear tactics. That's the side that, you know, gets used compared to the side that says, if you stick to your values, if you trust the science, if you believe in education, and if you believe in compassion, uh, we can have more Tammy Baldwins and fewer Ron Johnsons. So, well, with that, it's time for us to go. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Kirk. Thanks to our guests, Bob Link, Tim Jacobson, Mike Crute, and thank you for joining us at the cabin. Come on back up north next week.